So we're on we're on record. We're live, Tank. We've gone from talking about quiffs to Conor Gallagher. There was a nice segue there. Uh, Tank, you're Barnet. How are you feeling about it these days? Listeners, oh, listen in, right? Viewers, YouTube, whoever's watching, who mum, listen. Mom. Doesn't Tank's hair <laughs> now look like a wig? Get your quiff back, lads. Stop listening to 18-year-old lads. You're 46. Do what you want to do. Yeah, you can't but... pull off that perm look like Jack Scott, lads. You need to get it back to... Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I can't pull anything other off than Mozilla. that. Mozilla. <laughs> <laughs> There's been no, uh, no effort made today. I thought I'm going to go with what Jimmy does. Just make zero effort. <laughs> I think you look good, lad. Jimbo, you've been playing golf there. You look very golfy. Yeah, I've got all golf gear on, mate. Yeah, but no, I've not not been playing golf at all. It's all so my you're like clothing. A you're like a golf... I was going to say golf, but I'm going to try with the swear jar. I'm going to stop myself. Is that on again, uh, the swear jar? Well, I don't know. It, it, yeah, it you're exactly... 250 quid in debt, lad. <laughs> Uh, yeah, didn't go, didn't go so well, but did good numbers on TikTok. You attempting to use the swear jar anyway, <laughs> so uh, good work there, uh, Jimbo. So you didn't play golf, but you're wearing golf. Didn't play gear. golf, no. All my clothing is mainly golf stuff, so that's all I've. Can't wait to go you, and Dublin at you then. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> uh, talking, talking of Dublin, I, one of my mates was in Dublin uh, last night. Carlos, was a mu- mutual friend of, of me. And, well, all right, I met him through you, but he's still both our friends, Jim. Uh, <laughs> he's not my you, mate. You were, tweet, you were tweeting about my phone call. You enjoyed my mate, phone call, Oh, my Jim, did you? God. I was playing FIFA, right? I, luckily, I didn't even I was realize I was that drunk. Mate, I was out here in the shed, luckily. Whereas if I was in the house, I would have had to move. One of them phone calls where you're thinking, oh, God, pissed <laughs> up. That I'll take the quid for that. But you you, were, you were, had a fair few in short space of time. Yeah. And uh, it was uh, it was, it was was a loving and emotional phone call. I loved it. Proper DMC. Was it? it I can't was. even remember what we're saying. Yeah, you're just telling me how great I was on this podcast. Oh, what a great time for that to cut off. Just as he said that, the podcast. Did you leave it? Ah, no, I lost it. Anyway, what you were saying was how much how How bad you are on the podcast, podcast. (laughs) how great I am on this podcast, and how shit Tank is. Uh, Tank, how's your week been, mate? Have you been uh, you been up to anything? No, not much really, mate. It's been a bit quiet. Just been fucking. Jesus, lad! It's every second word. It's like every second word. I no. think he's got. Have you got? Have you been tested? Tourette. Tourette? What's that? Sounds like a right cunt. <laughs> <laughs> That's twenty quid for C bombs. Who's who's yeah, our listener that, that drives the bus? What's it? Oh, oh is that lad? He's really? one of the forest lads. Like I, I was. I was worried he was driving like a minibus of school kids. He's got the podcast on. Like, <laughs> listen to these boys. <laughs> I asked the question. He was on the bus. Uh, but you know, time, you've quiet week, now. have you? Yeah, quiet, mate. Quiet. Um, busy week coming up. Um, so, yeah, just chilled. I mean, even Jimmy said I've been quiet today. When I was... It was only today, Jimmy, Dunny. It's like you proper like where's Tank? I haven't had a video. Yeah, he's looking out for or... you. He's looking out for you, mate. Yeah, That's mate, what he does. It was you went quiet last night, and then this morning nothing. And normally by eight o'clock, I've got eighty <laughs> people being beheaded. <and> like, 
90 different items coming out of uh, female anatomies. It's just, yeah. that's Alleged. the you know, I am. Tell you what then, last night I went to me and Sharon and were like, because Millie's away in Amsterdam. Where's this going here? Yeah. I was going to this is not like, listen, we're 46, lads, the dream's over. So we were, I went, put Frankie to bed and I went, should we go to bed? And we had a cup of tea in bed and she watched Love Island and I'd done a bit of crypto stuff. And then that was it. So nine o'clock bed, lad, phones off. And then this morning, didn't jump up till half seven, got Frankie ready. So just, yeah, quiet, quiet. Hold on, are you trying to say that you don't watch Love Island there? I've got to be honest with you, I watched it for the first time proper last night. And I started, because like, I'm strange. You usually like like it, don't you? I look, mate, I'm obsessed with it, but it's like, it's not, it's not in Spain. It's like, not the same. South Africa, isn't it? Yeah, but then I watched it last night and I'm like, this is, this is brilliant. Yeah, it gets you. That's it, it. That's it. Yeah, once you once you're back on the bus, I I wasn't feeling it first, but then it takes one argument, and you're like, oh, fuck now. So, uh, lads, I want to get your opinion, Jim. I know you. So I was back playing yeah, football this weekend. Dead. Your face is still looking dead smooth, mate. No, no I wasn't going to say that. Although it is looking shiny. Um, no, I was going to ask your opinion because I was back playing footy for the nine thousandth <laughs> oh, season. Was you playing footy yesterday? I've mentioned it. <laughs> 25 minute highlight reel. Hey, I tell you, lad. I tell you. Um, Jim, do you know what's funny? You always said that I was a bit rigid. And I was like, what? Why does he keep saying that I'm rigid? I don't feel like I am rigid. Whereas when I'm watching myself on the video there, I am very rigid. And also now, I didn't think it was possible to have a minus speed. But I think I actually run at minus speed now at this stage, mate. So I do actually know what you mean. I didn't notice the speed side. I noticed the sniff, uh, the sniffness, the sti- stiffness. Your arms, your arms stay like here, and like when you, you're just dead stiff, lad. Like <laughs> you need a little bit of be loosey goosey. I don't know if that's a gym thing though. Do you know what I mean? Probably gone a bit. My arms go old. everywhere. I'm like crouching me. I'm like fucking. I, I yeah. But you I'll tell you what, Jamie. After watching your highlights, one word stuck on my head. Go on, shit. Retire. <laughs> I'll be I'll be honest, mate. The way that my body is feeling today, I am actually I'm actually close to doing it. I just like getting up the stairs and everything can just yeah, it's not it's not getting easy at the age of 38. But lads, when you come to Dublin, will you do us a favour? You play. gotta you yeah, gotta play for us. You gotta play again. I will. I'm not playing with Tank. I'll play, but Tank's not playing. I'm not playing with him, no way. <laughs> I'm a Would shocking you... moaner, mate. Jim, the, and Jimmy's the type of player who I'd be fucking on all We're the games. Hey, that's We're why I've been on a podcast. Well, I'm a moaner. It'd just be 90 minutes of us all moaning at each other. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, pretty much I, like this podcast. Yeah, that's why that's why it works, lads. So, um, right, footy time. Um, and Tank, you told me this over the last couple of days. Supposedly, we've been accused of avoiding talking about Liverpool ever since they gone shit. Which it's not been an intentional thing. I just didn't want to bore people with Liverpool's sob stories. But I feel like we've got a few topics to get through today. We're probably just going to have to bite the bullet and talk about Liverpool because it's. Not a happy camp. And it was a weird weekend of football. I don't know about you, Jim. You said it before. The FA Cup it wasn't, it wasn't great, was it? Nah, it was poor, mate. I just felt felt weird. I don't know. I th- FA Cups, I think it's gone, lads. It's gone. And I'm not even bothered about, like, underdog stories. I'm really not asked. Like, they were building up on the radio. I'm like... Are you the same, Tank? Or do you, uh, do you think the magic's still there? Yeah, is it waning like- a bit? We spoke about this, haven't we, previous podcast, and it's just, it's like, it's like, a, it interferes with the Premier League now, doesn't it? The cup mm. competitions. It's kind of like, 
get off, you know, hurry up and finish so we can get the Premier League back on. And it's sad because I, I love the FA Cup. I always have done, but it's just completely lost its sparkle. I mean, I watched Liverpool Brighton, um, and I think that might have been the only game where I proper watched. I think I have the problem as well. It's like, you don't know what fucking channel they're on. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. You genuinely don't. I mean, someone, I just seen a message on Twitter saying the Man United Reading game, and I was like, is that in the fucking telly? I've been looking and I can't find it. Yeah. And you got to go to like ITVX or some bollocks. <laughs> so I think that's part of it as well, but it's shit. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't get the old juices going like it used to. And I have to say, I'll stay with you, Tank, as we as we have to talk about Liverpool a little bit. Maybe this makes me a bad fan, or maybe it's a time at the times. So I was going to meet, as I said, our mutual mate for for pints, and I was trying to watch it on my phone, and the stream was shit. And I was like, Do you know what? I'm going to just watch the last ten minutes in a pub on my own before I get to the lads in the other pub. So I got bought a pint and just sat down, just as Brighton basically scored. <laughs> And the funny thing was, I don't know if you're the same, Tank. I felt nothing. It was so such a weird experience. Usually I'd be like, I, don't get me wrong, I was gutted they scored. But at the same time, I was kind of a bit numb to it that Liverpool have had such a strange season and been so poor for large chunks of it. I was just kind of a little deflated, but like, oh, well, there's another one. That's that's not good, surely. Listen, I'm not one who's been saying I told you so, but I've been saying for fucking four or five months in the podcast, Liverpool are the mid-table club. Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what's more concerning for me at the minute is like Klopp is, he's an absolute legend. I absolutely fucking love the man. He's been, he's reinvented. This is where you slate him now. It's one of them where it's like, I don't mean to be rude. Yeah, but, but I'm starting to think now that the finger needs to start turning to him and going, Look, okay, you haven't had the money what you deserved and should have had, and the owners take a brunt of this. But lads, there's basic organisation and there's basic set plays and basic defending and basic structure of Liverpool where I'm like, this is so bad, it's untrue. And then to to double up on that, I watch your substitutes and I'm like, what the fuck are you even thinking about here? Them three substitutes what come on yesterday, I was like, he, he just took the legs out of midfield. He took the legs out. Fabinho will come on after 10 seconds. And when he done that tackle, it was as if he was saying to the ref, yeah, that's a red, send me off, please. Just put me on my misery, please me send misery. me off. Yeah. You've got a player who everyone in the world can see does not want to play football at the minute because he's gone that much, but Klopp persists with him. And then Trent, for me, wasn't having a bad game at all. He's up against that kid. He'd done some good bits. The kid went past him. That's part and parcel of a fullback. You got to try and stop your wing. Your wing has got to get past you. Trent come out on top a few times. The kid got past him a few times, but then he's the only threat we've got going forward. And then you bring Milner on, and I'm like, I, I'm I'm questioning Klopp now and saying you've got to take some of this responsibility for how bad we've become. Yeah, I, I tweeted something similar at the end of the game. I was like, make the substitutions make sense to me. You seen Trent's face. And Jim, you you're, you've been partial over the years to spitting an old dummy out uh, on the pitch once or twice. You could visibly see as Trent was walking off that pitch, he was absolutely fuming. And like Tank says, there's no shit that like, that Matoma's a serious player, by the way, lads. What yeah. a player he is! Like, there's no shame in in being done by him once or twice. He's an absolute pest. But that said, it feels like at the moment, Jim Trent is not finishing a lot of games. He gets brought off in a lot of games. And if you're saying to to a player that we trust James, 37-year-old James Milner, 
to see out this game more than you. It's not a good sign for Trent. And certainly when you see him visibly frustrated, it shows to me that maybe all isn't well in the camp. No, and this is, for me, it's like, you know, he's, he's had his rest. He's not, he's not gone to the World Cup. He's, well, he did and didn't play, sorry. Um, he's, he should be well rested. So what does that tell you? I Is Klopp doing it? I don't know what Klopp's plan is with these things because for it me... It can't be a manager minute thing, Jim. It can't be a manager minute. I don't think it, this is it. No. I don't think it can or, or... Is he going, I'm not bothered about the FA Cup? Because I, but then on the other side, you're thinking you're not gonna, you're not gonna win any options. Yeah, Yeah, so this is where it confuses me. Where's Ramsey? Doesn't trust him. He doesn't trust his defending. He thinks right. Well, you know, you've put in a good effort for. I don't know when did he get brought off. What what minute was it? It was yeah, it was about 65. Was it? Well, so sixty-five. Whether he's going, you goose, and I I just need to get Milner on. I, I don't know. But as a player. If you're goosed and someone brings you off, you don't look like that. Yeah. You don't go, oh my God. You've got your way out. You're going, yes, get in. I'm knacking here. Like, get me off. So he's obviously. Or you're getting a torrid time. And he, what, and like Tank says, he got done once or twice. But I'd argue, like, and look, it's slim pickings at the moment with Liverpool. Since the turn of the Trent has been one of Liverpool's better players. He's definitely not better defensively. Yeah. He's been our best player since the World Cup finished, Trent. Yeah, well, the I narrative moves really away good. from him, hasn't it? The narrative moves away from him. So, you know, you'd assume that he's doing something right. He's not conceding sloppy goals. So at that point, you're not, you know, you're not losing. He's doing all right. You're going to take some, but you've also got to hope that he goes and creates something for you. So it's a strange one for me. I don't think Klopp's happy. Well, there's no way he's happy. You can tell by his interviews now. He's, he seems like a broken man. If I'm him, I'm thinking, I need to get out of this club. Because really? not... I, unless he waits to see what happens with the investment. But, okay, not... Okay, he's not thinking I need to get out. And I've said it before. I think there's a little spark there that goes, if a buy-in... A Dortmund, a Madrid, a Barcelona, someone like that comes knocking. Before two years ago, I would go, it's not a chance you would prize him out of that club. Now, I think there'd be PSG, for instance. I think there'd be the only, well, maybe not around the ownership of PSG that might go against him. But as I say, another global club comes in for Klopp. I think they could be a tiny. I'm not saying a large percentage. I'm saying 10, 15% that goes, hmm, maybe. Tank, I'm looking at this, right? And I try to, I, I can sometimes wear rose-tinted, Liverpool-tinted glasses, as you both and many other people will know, but I'll try not to do it for the purposes of this podcast. I thought structurally Liverpool looked a bit better in the first half. And, and look, it's a low bar again. We've been ripped open by Brighton multiple times. I was there at Anfield for the 3-3 and seen it live. Every time in transition, it was like they could have scored six or seven goals that day. It was painful. It was the same when we played them uh, a few weeks back. I thought structurally we looked a lot better. First off, in terms of, and you know it better than anyone, Tank, you have to build back form, build back confidence. I didn't think we were great against Chelsea, but I suppose the glimmer of hope is where we didn't concede. Then you're looking at Brighton and I thought, again, Stability-wise, I think we were pressing in more of an organised way. We were creating little bits. Um, but we didn't really look like being cut open as, as we had done previously. So I was looking at that going, OK, 
we got ourselves into the game. They scored a bit of a spoony, jammy goal for equaliser. But we can kick on here with some smart substitutions. Nunes to run the channels. I thought Liverpool had built a platform in the game. And then Klopp substitutions took it, seemed to take all of that away. And the big thing, the big elephant in the room here, Tank, we know about the lack of investments. He's come out and said it looks like there's going to be no dealings now in this, this window, which I find staggeringly bad. I just... I don't understand. They must have some bloody summer planned if they think that they can spin the wheel for, for the remainder of this season. But the big elephant in the room for me, Tank, is Jordan Henderson and Fabinho. What, like, we know they've gone the well a lot for Liverpool. Particularly in Fabinho's case, I don't think Henderson's been good for six to 12 months. He's admitted that the World Cup took a lot out of him. The lads are running on empty. So why do we keep doing the same things over and over and expecting the results to be different? It's it's baffling, and I get what you're saying about the, uh, you know the Brighton. They never they didn't like cut us open like they did in the league game. But I just always felt, and I, I, this is how this is how the decline in Liverpool's got got me. I always felt that Brighton were in control of that game and were going to win that game. Did you? And that's like a scary thing to say when you you know look. Brighton's done phenomenally well. They've had a great season, but this is a Liverpool side. What? was two games away from sweeping everything last season. And, like, there's no surprise that we got beat by Brighton. It's like, yeah, yeah, Brighton, Brighton are better than us. Brighton are better than us, and that is the scary part. The substitutions are completely baffling. And this is this, the other thing where I have a clock, is I think he's too loyal to two, to two to players too often. You look at the Man City, uh, who's just got rid of... I know we're going to speak about that, the lads who's just gone to bind, you know... He's fell out a bit. He spat his dummy out a bit. He's gone. See you later. You're gone. There's no loyalty. You can't have loyalty in football. Ferguson was the best at it, wasn't he? Who was? Ferguson. Yeah, so, yeah Fergie was like... He, he, the... I just feel Klopp's too low to these players. Like, no disrespect to Bobby Firmino. I mean, for two years, he's been bang average. He started okay this season. He's scored a few goals. But now, all of a sudden, this Liverpool side saying, we, as soon as we get Bobby back, it'd be better. It was like, lads, come on. Bobby Firmino's been shocking for a couple of years and now we're begging for him to be back just to make us better. I think Liverpool are in serious, serious decline and we've got serious issues because we're a very ageing squad as well. You know, you've got Matip who's 32, Van Dijk who's 31. You know, we've got Gomez who's completely and utterly gone the poor lad with his injuries. I don't like see what? What, what sort of summer Liverpool's going to have. Bellingham is not signing for Liverpool. He's not signing for Liverpool. Why is he going to sign for Liverpool in the summer? He's going to look at that and go, fuck me, these are going to finish mid-table, if they're lucky, by the way. Because there's not you, you don't look at Liverpool's run of fixtures and go, well, that's a win, that's a win, that's a win. So if we're finishing mid-table, how can anyone in the right mind think that we're going to have a, a summer where we're going to spend 300 million and get the two world's best centre midfield players in at the club? It's not going to happen. It won't happen. I don't know. I I still hanging out a little bit of hope that there's something been done on that. I know you. I know you laughed, Jim. I don't know why. I've just got a. I've always felt it. I've got a funny feeling. I don't think we put ourselves in a good situation with the Bellingham thing. In that, look, he he's got. He could go to any club that he wants. I just think Liverpool seem to have done a lot of legwork on this. And if they've said to him, "Look, this is a transitional season. We're going to do the best we can." but this is the plans that we have for the summer. You'll be the heartbeat of the sides. You'll be the number eight. You'll be the future captain. All that good stuff. Give us Jamie, four can I ask you a question? Go on. Jude Bellingham in this Liverpool side now, does that make us a challenge for the title? Just him alone? 
No, I think we need more legs around him. I think we need more legs around him. Now, his advisors so- are going to be telling them exactly the same thing, though. His advisors are going to be telling them, let's get it right. This is all about money and, you, you know, and the right move for the kid because that seems to be what his family and his, his, his people, professional people around him, they want the right move for the player, which is great. We need four or five major signings. I, I honestly think Liverpool need four or five major, major signings to compete again. See, the other worry that you've got, and if you're looking at that, is Mo Salah's fell off a cliff. This is a thing that nobody seems to want to talk about. And it, and it seemed like there was a chance yesterday, and this is how quickly games can go away from you and how football narratives and, and all that, you know. Liverpool had a solid first half. Mo Salah's through one-on-one. And he absolutely scuffs yeah. the ball. If that's Nunes, it's 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 bloody headlines in papers and all sorts. Whereas I think Salah's probably taken over Nunes now for as many clear-cut chances that he's missed this season. So Liverpool, it, this isn't just... Like, don't get me wrong. If you got three dogs, three runners in midfield, this Liverpool team would look markedly different. Don't get me wrong. It, it really would. But to turn them back into the challenges that they need to be, I think they need three, if not four midfielders. I think they're probably going to get rid of a lot of dead wood, which has probably made it difficult for them because we haven't been able to raise funds. This annoys me actually saying this. You're going to get me on a full rant here. But the fact that Liverpool, we've had to become accountants to be Liverpool fans, set one of the richest clubs in the world. And it's like we're trying to look down the back of the sofa for monopoly money. It makes no sense. But following the past and the way that FSG work, we haven't been able to sell a load of players. You should see a load of midfielders leave. But I'd argue that Liverpool need four, five midfielders. In, in the window. You can't put all of this on Jude Bellingham. I think we need to look at the structure of the front three. Um, I think Luis Diaz will make a massive difference when he comes back. I still think Nunes will, will come good. He just needs to play with Liverpool, the, the, the Liverpool team that, he, that he'd signed for. And then I think you probably need to bring in a couple of centre-backs because Matip is made of Chris and old. Van Dijk has got starting to get hamstring injuries now. And you know as well as I do, once those muscle injuries start to, to come, you know, it, it can change a player. Um, I'm not saying he's finished by whatever means, but you're certainly not looking at Van Dijk to play 40, 50 games a season. It's just not realistic. So there is a, a lot of work that Liverpool need to do. But with three proper midfield signings, I think they could be right amongst it again. Do you, do you agree, Jim? Or am I oh, just yeah, being... Uh, am no, I just I being... mean, look, mate, hell, any team with three world-class centre midfielders should be doing some it, but... But I don't even it's... think it needs to be world-class. I think if you get a Bellingham and two well, absolute horrible runners, I think it, they don't need to be world-class. The, the question Liverpool I would have... ask you is, the question I would ask any Liverpool fan is, when have you ever spent 300 million without selling someone over 100 and odd million quid? You well, haven't. Yeah, look at this, Jimmy, Why is it going to happen now? Podcast, and that's the best thing Jimmy's ever said. What's that? Well, he's bang on. Look look at Liverpool over the past 10 or 12 years. When have they spent 300 million? Yeah, I've Never. got a stat for you. I've got a stat for you, right? Uh, total money spent since the summer of 2019. Chelsea, 742 million. Man United second was 623 million. City, 543. Arsenal, 485. Spurs, 466. Liverpool... 283 million. They are below Leeds, Newcastle, Wolves, West Ham, Villa. So that's my point. Why why are they going to go that spend that crazy. now? On Jude, I get that. On Jude, you go and get that because he's world-class and you'll get your money back. But anyone else, I just don't think they do it. So I don't, I can't see it happening. I really can't. I think you might get one or two, maybe lower 
it just the, the more you go on about this, the more the Gakpo transfer baffles me. Because he's. Do looked... you think he looked a bit better against Brighton? I didn't. I, I didn't watch the game to be honest with you. Mate. He was bloody car shopping with the wife. But oh, um, whether he did or didn't look better, I mean, it's not hard to look better from what he started at. Now, and look, I know he's been thrown in the deep end, but it's a signing you didn't need. Whether he looks world class or not. It, it, it's irrelevant because it's, you didn't need that signing. You needed for forty million. You could have gone and got two midfielders at twenty million. Whether even if that is a, one of the, a Sanderberg who's going for twenty million, at least he's going to run around and put some tackles, and he's got legs to do. So you could could have got Connor Gallagher for twenty million, maybe someone along their milks who's going to run, tackle, kick, horrible. Because when I watched Chelsea v, I can't remember what game it was. Uh, I think it was a Liverpool game, uh, actually. Conor Gallagher was starting. He was running around and he was being horrible. Probably should have got booked about four times, to be fair. But that's what that's what he does. So that's along that ilk is where you need someone and just have Thiago, like um, you know, like pulling the string. So it's it, I don't think it happens, and I think yeah, I think I think now we're back to. You've been blessed with having Jurgen Klopp and the absolute um, rabbits from hats he's pulled over the last four or five seasons. And I think you're now back to where you were previously. Tank and where you'll probably it, stay if you don't start spending money because everyone else it, is. That, well, that's, we're going to come on to that as the, as the next topic. Before we, before we just move on, it's sad, isn't it, Tank? Jimmy spoke there about just having legs in midfield. Liverpool's best sense midfielder at the moment is an 18-year-old kid who he's, he's been excellent, but yeah. all he's he, he, like, don't get me wrong. It would be a massive disservice to say all he's doing is running around because he's, he's excellent when pressed. He's, he's composed. He's, he makes penetrating passes. He's doing really well for a kid his age. But at the moment you're looking at him and he's levels above some of the senior pros in there. But if you can just surround this Liverpool team with people with a bit of experience, a bit of energy, it, it would transform. But it, by all accounts, Liverpool aren't going to do business this summer. Oh, this this window, I should say. I can't compute that, mate. Who is making these decisions? Well, this is what we spoke about before. It's 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 a catch twenty two because the owners have come out. The problem with the owners have come out and said the clubs are sell, the clubs are sell, and I don't think they're being influx with buyers. That's the that, that people who want to buy it. I think that's the issue. Coupled with Man United, they've gone up for sale at the at the same time, which doesn't help. I just. Now they're saying that they want investment. But if you're if you're looking at Liverpool Football Club and you're like a big hedge fund or whatever it is, and you're sitting down with them and they're saying, yeah, we want you to come in and pay 300 million for a small percentage of the club. But that's going to pay for all of the new signings you're going to get. Now, my first response was, well, what, are you not going to put in for some signings neither? Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just expect an investor to come in and do what these owners refuse to do and spend because I just don't think it works. Business to, surely these savvy businessmen who's working in billions and billions of pounds or dollars, they're not stupid and just going to say, all these want us to do is to come in and just bankroll the rebuilds of the club. And I just, I, I'm a little bit, with I, I'm with Jimmy on it. I, I think that Liverpool's in a really, really precarious position because look what Forrest have done this season. Forrest have come in the Premier League and splashed money. They're making signings in the January window. Forrest, you've just named a load of clubs who spent more. Because I had to, the dog was going berserk. I had to shoot down and give him a slap. 
Forrest have probably spent more money. A bit tight on Sharon, that mate. Oh, it's a bit rough. That's a bit woof. <laughs> and you just, you, I feel I'm being honestly as a Liverpool fan. This is just a Liverpool fan. I think that we could be, unless the club gets sold, quickly. Oh, he's going to say something be, shocking. He's going to get re- we get we relegated. Could <laughs> we could no, no, not relegated. I think we could be in for a long goal of me, me like mediocrity mid table. Because the problem is, Jamie, you've named all of the sides there. All of these other clubs are spending, and they're spending big. And Liverpool are just sat there, trying, you know, hoping to get Arthur fit from fucking loan. I mean, come on, this is one of the biggest clubs in the world. So it's, it's good. I'm glad that you said that about the spending because we were looking before, right? So there's uh, the World Governing Body Global Transfer Report 2022 found that English clubs spent 1.78 billion on international transfer deals last year, right? The closest league is the Italian league, which is 543 million spent. England's total spend accounted for just over a third of the global total for international deals, which is wild. Then you look at Chelsea this window, right? And if you look at the highest Premier League spending in the last five January transfer windows... Chelsea, this window, 216 million, and rumored to be after uh, Enzo Fernandez as well, which would that'd be another hundred and odd million on top of that. The biggest last window was Newcastle at 93. The window before that, United 67, Chelsea before that 57, and Tottenham before that at 54. So there's been a massive jump with Chelsea's spending. And it doesn't look like this spending is going to stop. Not just for Chelsea, but other clubs. There's talk now of Pep looking to do a rebuild for City next year. Cancelo is the first one of many, potentially, that City are looking to to get out the door. Now, City, as much as you want to talk about where they get the money and how they do their deals, they recoup transfer fees better than anyone. They're brilliant. Chelsea, historically, have done the same, certainly with youth players. But, Jim, is there not going to be a point here where surely the bubble is going to burst? Or... Is this a worrying trend in terms of where football is going in that you're only going to have certain types of owners who can buy clubs and do this, whether it's Middle Eastern, Qatari uh, money is, is meant to be coming into the Premier League in some way, shape or form. Is this a worrying direction? I know I know, fans all love transfers, but at what cost? Yeah, I think it's all three, to be honest with you, mate. The, uh, the bubble will burst at some point, whether it's our lifetime or the our, you know our kids' lifetime. Who knows? But that, it has to burst. Um, you know, from a from a transfer point of view, the, what that tells me is is that the Premier League is the best league in the in the world. Now, the reason it tells me that is because these teams have best the best product, or where they can get the most money returns. Both. Okay. So, in terms of financials from clubs okay you've got united arsenal tottenham liverpool chelsea city um the the, the typical top six you've now got newcastle a couple of other big clubs coming up there who can spend money right because the clubs in theory earn that money in some way, shape or form. They earn enough, otherwise there'd be, you know, implications, let's say. Whereas other leagues, you have one, maybe two top teams. Germany, Dortmund, Bayern Munich, even Dortmund are nowhere near 
Bayern Munich. So Bayern Munich spend lots of money. No one else can compete. Italy. It used to be Juventus. Now they've gone to pot because they're cheating. You've got Napoli who are seemingly doing it the right way. AC Milan aren't what they were. Inter Milan aren't what they were. So you've got one or two clubs maybe. Go to Spain, Barcelona, Madrid, and maybe you can throw Atletico in in there. France, PSG. So they've only got one or two clubs that are able to do that. Hence why the disparity is so big, but it's because our product is so good. Hence why we're able to sell rights, left, right, and center across the world. Uh, Clubs are making uh, money hand over fist. But my point, I revert back to point one. It's going to burst at some point. And it's just when though. You'll look at it transfers now, Tank, and you look at now Casado potentially it's upwards of 70, 80 million. Uh, it hasn't been accepted. Um, you know, Brighton are playing hardball, they hold all the cards, they won't be bullied. But that is now getting to a serious lump of dough. You're looking at Anthony Gordon's just gone to Newcastle. This is there's so much money being spent on players. We'll come to Gordon in a minute, but <laughs> like with these type of transfer prices like it's just getting to a point where surely we have to look at some type of cap do you know what I mean and, and Jimmy said there about the disparity this isn't me crying poverty for Liverpool because Liverpool have spent money you know they made big signings world record signings I'm talking more about if you look across the breadth of the league you know you look at Sean Dyche is going to go in at Everton look at the budgets that he used to have at Burnley and we're expecting these type of clubs to compete Surely there has to be some type of governance because it, it there is a worry where this is going. It just keeps going up and up and up and up. Well, there is there is a governance, but it's it's a waste of time because when you've got like and this is not a slant on Man City because I wish their owners owned Liverpool. When you've got a club like Man City, you can sponsor themselves by their airline shared sponsor, and it's a world record sponsorship. And all you're doing is sending money from one bank account, which is yours, to your other bank account. There's a flaw in the system. Simple as that. Um, Newcastle's owners are being very hush-hush and doing everything by the book at the minute, but make no bones about it. They'll be doing exactly the same what Man City done in the coming years. There'll be big sponsorship deals between themselves. Um, unless you wait for come and say, well, you can't do that because that's not correct, it's going to carry on. The bubble will never burst in the Premier League, in my opinion, because it's getting stronger and stronger. It's There's TV rights deals done with... Probably every decent-sized country in the world for the Premier League TV rights. Nobody cares about the Spanish League. Nobody cares about the Italian League. I, I used to love watching the Spanish League when it was on oh, Sky, no. but they, they asked for too much money, and Sky just went, actually, your product's not that good, so, okay, see you later. And the La Liga thought they were clever and holding them to ransom, and it's bit them on the arse so bad, so bad because they've got no TV revenue coming from Sky and that now. So I don't believe it's going to go anywhere. You know, you look at you look at the Italian league. I I watched uh, the game, I think it was Juventus and Napoli the other week, and it was a great game. It was but a then, cracking game, wasn't it? Yeah, take that aside now. Like, you could watch Liverpool away at Brighton, and the world will watch that game. Now, if you watch Milan yesterday play that Sao Solo, whatever they're called, Sao nobody Sula. cares. Nobody got beat though, didn't they? They got battered far too, but actually nobody cares. <laughs> so the Premier League... That's how you do care. The Sassuolo players, did you hear what? No, no, but, 
Do you know what they get as a, a reward, though? No, no, no. Do you know what they get as a reward? Is that the prostitution fella? Yeah, yeah. All the prosies in the in the changing rooms. <laughs> Is that a real thing? So I, I read that. I didn't know it was there. That Sassulo's chairman, yeah. and he said, "If you beat if you beat Juventus, I'll bring all the all a load of whores in." And they obviously they went and beat them five two in the week. He said he got a load of text messages off the players. <laughs> I will follow them closely now. <laughs> He's got a new fan now. There yeah. you go. <laughs> no, I just think the Premier League's that big, and unless FIFA come out in UEFA and nail these rules properly, where you can only spend X amount of what you bring in, and you can't sponsor yourself, well then it's just going to carry on and carry on and carry on. And unfortunately for us as a Liverpool fan. These owners cannot and will not. And I don't blame them, by the way, Jamie. I don't blame them to try and complete with like state owned clubs because it's difficult. But if you're not going to do it, sell the club. Just sell the club and get out. Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a funny time. because uh, as I said before, I can see the I, I agree with you. I don't think the money's gonna slow down anytime soon. But I think what that's gonna mean is there's only a select type of owner that can take on these clubs and, and I think it's only going to come from maybe one or two regions as we're, as we're starting to see now but be interesting to see how it goes. I want to talk to you about something that annoyed me this week and it was Anthony Gordon and the reason that it annoyed me is so I'm looking at that, I'm looking at a, a, a young kid who's come in I don't personally and I'm happy to be corrected on this one, I don't personally see it when I look at him you know I don't think he's uh worth the money that's been invested in him. I think that's one way of putting it. But this is a kid who is grown up in Evertonian. The club have done unbelievable things for him, given him a platform, given him good dough, uh, put him on the map. And to be honest, he hasn't done a great deal on the pitch. I don't think to, to warrant the status that he's been, been given. Maybe it's a sign of, of, of where Everton are as a club at the moment. But I have to be honest, Jim, didn't like the idea of him going on strike. I thought that no, was I don't like that, that was two two fingers up to a club that had done, his club. Like, don't get me wrong, <sighs> his club. Um, and it, I know people will say, you know, the, the fans were on at him when he was driving away from the stadium the other day and all that. But still, you could do these things in a certain way that doesn't involve shitting on a club that has supported you and given them I the platform that, that I they do have. Get that hundred percent. Yeah, I think I think. There's two things around this because he's probably gone right. I didn't get my Chelsea move, so you know, I, 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 which he probably wanted to go to, you know, go live in a cosmopolitan city like London. Um, he didn't get that move, so he's probably thinking, well, maybe I could keep them up and I'll go in the summer. Right? Uh, things haven't worked out. He hasn't put in his best performances. That's that's on him, right? And then and then he's a young lad, what, 21? So, so you, you know, imagine sitting in your car. No one goes on to a foot. You've never gone on to a football pitch and gone, I'm going to play bad today. No one's ever done that because you don't. Why would you? So you've always gone in with the best intentions. Sometimes it, some seasons it just doesn't happen. What I think what the fans did to all them Everton players was ridiculous. It, 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 it didn't help anywhere. Now, getting on in the stadium, whatever, fine. That's your right. You've paid your ticket. In the streets, they're just normal people. They've got normal rights, right? So, that's if I'm Anthony Gordon, and this is where the transfer for me makes perfect sense for Newcastle. 40 million is nothing to them. They're qualifying for the Champions League, right? And they also now need to hit a homegrown player quota. They're getting rid of a load of foreigners 
40 million for Anthony Gordon at 21, a proven Premiership player in a sense, you know, he's played in the Premiership, done all right in, in spells, to work under a young English manager in Eddie Howe that has got the best out of Joe Linton, who everyone said was absolutely garbage, who got the best out of Almiron, who everyone th thought was a joke. Dan it Byrne is, as well. I think, I, pardon? Dan Byrne as well. Dan Byrne, Byrne, yeah. So for him to go there is an absolute no-brainer. And they'll get that money back in two, three years. If, if he doesn't work out, they'll get that money back. But from their point of view, they're thinking 40 million, homegrown player, Champions League, can actually, will do all right in the Champions League. What, 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 there's no complaint. And from Anthony Gordon, he's gone from a relegation hit, seemingly going down club where everyone hates him. Why wouldn't he want out, regardless of whether he's going there or not? You've played with players, Tank, that have gone on strike. I'm thinking Pierre van Hooydonk, you spoke about it in the past. Where do you sit with the Anthony Gordon thing? And then we'll stay with you because I want to get your reaction to... Well, we did call it a long time ago that Sean Dyche would, would be the Everton manager. Um, you know, we, we were very vocal about that. So what, what was your reaction, I suppose, to Anthony Gordon? And when you've had the experience of what Van Hooydonk did to the team, how did that impact the players? What, what was, it, was it a negative environment? Obviously, it'd be talk, talk at the dressing room. What was the impact it had on you and the other lads? But the impact of it, it, the, the two totally different scenarios because Van Oudonk's batters told me out because we got promoted to the Premier League with a very, very exciting squad, young squad, good players, mixed with senior internationals from various countries. So when you get promoted like that and then you start selling off Kev Campbell, Colin Cooper, who was the captain, who I can't praise highly how good that he, he was as a captain and a player. Steve Stone, your Scott Gemmels. When you start selling them, Pierre Van Udenk was the best player at the time as well. Scored 36 goals the season. And I understood what was going on in Pierre's head. The striking was wrong. It was it was wrong, but I could see the frustration in him. He's probably, you know, we come down from Celtic to Forest and probably got what he told Forrest he was going to do, get us back promoted and win the league and push on and be a Premier League force, if you like. So I understand why Pierre done it. Totally wrong the way he done it, you know, because we were all still laid in the trenches and he kind of, we felt he deserted us. Anthony Gordon, on the other hand, and this might surprise you, I backed that kid 110% what he done. I back him. I look at this. I've got a son who's in football now. He's 17. You two have got young lads who are hopefully going to be top little star players. Put your dad's hat on for a minute. Your son, and he was outstanding last season to keep them in the league. He was outstanding. He's a threat. Do I like the way he plays? No. I don't like those theatrics and his rolling about. He, he was a threat. Everton fans, he was their hero last season. He was outstanding for them. He's 21 just turned. Young players can have dips like this. But he's been the brunt of everything. Lampard dropped him. The fans completely turned against him. He's been threatened. He's been chased down the road in his car. People shouting, get out the fucking car. Get out, lad. Let's have it. Punching his car. He's 21. He just wants to play football. So... 
I fully agree with what he done. If that was my son, I'd be saying, fuck them. Get out. Mm. I'd be on to his aid and saying, get him out of that club now. Everton is a poisonous club. Everton fans mightn't like to hear that. It's a poisonous club. The day you're chasing fans and threatening directors, getting women in headlocks, allegedly, I believe, that's not football then. That's no longer football. So if I'm an Anthony Gordon, if I'm Anthony Gordon, I'm onto my head saying, get me out of here, ASAP. I agree with what Jimmy and you've just said then. He will go to Newcastle. Eddie Howe will put his arm around him. He'll make him feel 10 feet tall. That kid's got everything what every defender hates to play against. Sheer Eight. pace. It's horrible to play against when you've got that pace. And but a willing that, runner. He, he won't stop. Runner. He and works as well. He's got a couple of step-overs in it. Yeah, listen, the kids... Listen... Is he a 40 million? They haven't paid 40 million. They probably structured it over 10 million a season over so many long. It's a good signing for Newcastle. It's good business for Everton. And it's a good signing for Newcastle. And I think he'll blossom under Eddie Howe at Newcastle. I'll stay with you, Tank. How does Sean Dice fix the, the, the mess that is Everton at the moment? Well, there's a famous old quote in it, mate. You can't polish your turd. You think he's got a big job in his hands? He's got a huge job in his hands. I mean, you've got rid of Anthony Gordon. You've got good money in. They've tried to go and get the kids from Chelsea, Conor Gallagher, and he's just been on Sky Sports just saying, absolutely no chance of my going to Everton. That's a quote from the player. I am not going to Everton. That's the problem that they're going to have. Now, on the flip side, I like Conor Gallagher. He's a good player. He's not going to keep Everton in the league, is he? You know, he's, he needs quality rounds and for him to shine. He's a runner. He's a worker, Olock, and he's got a little bit of quality, but they need a, bit, they need a damn sight more than that. I think Sean Dyche has got an absolute impossible task. And one of the biggest impossible tasks is if you're, we'll put it this way, Jamie, if you're a player sat at home watching Sky News and you're watching players and their directors getting put on headlocks, players getting chased down the street, threatened, fucking windows of your car getting punched, are you going to say to your agent, yeah, yeah, get us a move to Everton there? It looks good there. Looks good. Not only the bottom of the league, I'll get filled in every week. Yeah, it's, a, it's a weird one with Everton because you look at. You look at the teams in recent years that have had a, if you want to call it a resurgence, I would say Liverpool, case in point, under Klopp, what was one of the first things that Klopp was able to do? He was able to reconnect the supporters with the team. If you look at Mikel Arteta, Arsenal for a long time had a perceived toxic fan base. One of the first things he was able to do was get the fans on side and Arsenal, with the support of the, their fans, like they went 1-0 down to Man United. Did you see what the stadium did? Yeah. They cheered. cheered. That's big. That's that's big. That's totally different. If you look at Manchester United now, and look, we've all got different views in terms of the job that Ten Hag has done, but I think we can all say that I think he's, he's improved Manchester yeah, United. Yeah. He's, he's definitely improved Manchester United. What's one of the first things that he's been able to do? Old Trafford is bouncing again. That is probably, for me, one of the most difficult tasks that Sean Dyche has at Everton is, I don't know what if Everton fans know what type of team they want to be anymore. I don't know what success is for them. I think they all have a dist distorted view of what success is. They all loved Lampard because he got Everton, but he wasn't very good. So do you want a manager that's very good, but he might not get Everton? He might take you in a slightly different direction. He might make you hard to beat. Maybe you play a little bit direct. You, you say it all the time, Tank. You look at Everton and their past, past managers. Some of the win ratios of some of those, Sam Allardyce, uh, Sam Allardyce had them high up the table. Marcos, Marco Silva had them high up the table. But for whatever reason, they didn't fit and the Everton fans weren't happy. So I actually think the biggest thing that will work against Everton is not the manager. It will be the supporters. 
the supporters have to find a way to get behind the team. I understand they're frustrated. I understand they've been mismanaged higher up. But ultimately, their best chance of getting back or staying in this league is by being supporters again and getting because I played it. I played at Goodison. I visited Goodison. I sat in the Gladys Street, hid me Liverpool top, watching a derby when Danny Cadamarchi scored. It is a cauldron. It's a horrible place to play football. Everton's best chance is they've got a proven manager in Sean Dyche who has proven to box above his station in terms of doesn't need much money. He get the best out of players. You said he's very detail-orientated, doesn't get the credit he deserves. So they've got a good Premier League manager here. Everton fans just need to get behind whatever he's selling, just get on board because them being behind that team is their best chance of staying in this league, as we've seen with some of the other clubs that we mentioned in terms of the improvement they've made. Jim? It's what kept them up up last year. You know, that turn of the tide last year, I think it was like three quarters way through, the the fans were the ones that were getting Everton through them games. When you watch them games, they were absolutely shouting their heads off, getting that, driving that team through. Everton weren't good last year. And there was a, I can't remember a specific moment, but there was certainly a moment where the tide turned, where the fans were driving that team on. And then it's gone the other way now again. So it's back to the to the toxic atmosphere. And we've all played in a, you know, not in that sort of, you know, we've played in, well, Tanks obviously played in bigger ones, but even at a ground where you've got 300 fans, if they turn toxic against you, you don't want to be there. You're like, you just, your head goes up its own arse. Where you I had a whole in. stand singing that I was a paedophile once. That was a particular <laughs> highlight. <laughs> Your own fans. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And my mum was included as well, screaming at me. <laughs> yeah, I was in there with a big foam finger. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was that. that so, so imagine that you've got 30 odd thousand. As soon as anything goes wrong, you've got groans. You've got, and I've, I've been there. You know, as soon as you do something wrong, it's, oh, God. And it, I couldn't, I'm, honestly, I'd lose my head if I was doing it in front of 35,000 people, hence why I wasn't a professional footballer. But even them, you know, there's only so much you can take and it's it's not good. I think they go down. But if I'm Everton now, I've got 40 million in the quid, uh, 40 million in the quid, 40 million in the bank. Who are they going to get? Like Tank says, no Premier League, unless you're not playing, no Premier If I'm them, I'm thinking of, you know, two names come to mind from the same club. Someone like a Bradley Dack, a that Ben Brayton Diaz, someone like that, where they'll come, With they'll be all right, they'll do a job, but if they go down, they'll be all right in that league too. And they'll come because they'll be able to offer more money, you know, they'll get a transfer fee. Someone's along them lines. That's Sanderberg there, Fulham a surprise are looking at. I know they don't need midfielders. They've got enough midfielders that can I think, do a Jimmy, job. I think Sanderberg just signed a new contract for Sheffield United. Has he? Yeah. They might have put it again, but he might have chucked in a release clause yeah, in yeah. there, yeah, like a 40 million just so they get more money. I don't know, obviously, but my point is, is I don't think they can be looking in that pool of Premier League players because no one, why would, unless you want to go and specifically work for Sean Dice, like an Ashley Barnes, or I know he's in the champion championship now, but someone along them lines who previously played for him, you're not, you're not going to Everton. I certainly wouldn't. Unless you're doubling my wages, but there's not many of them around in the Premier League anymore. My fear for them, Jamie, I'll be honest with you. My fear with Everton is I know how Sean Dice works. I know what he'll do. Now, he will go in and he'll roll his sleeves up and he will play a system 
he's played four four two all his career at Burnley. I'm not whether he'll play that. He might do because he's got Dwight McNeil on the left hand side. If he had a Burnley, he would relied on at uh, Burnley at the time. He's got Tarkowski. He knows obviously. And I think he might go in and he'll play four four two. Now my worry is he will go in there. He will make them ugly, difficult to beat, and organised. I don't think Everton fans will accept that. No, I agree. I don't. And that's, but, a, that's you know, another major issue. You'll move Iwobi out to the right. They'll keep Anana and Gay in the middle. Um, McNeil on the left. Calvert-Lewin, whoever supports him. And they'll just throw balls in. That's what Dominic, That's what Calvert-Lewin needs. Go in there, head that ball in, that goal. Don't come back. Just go and head it. But this, no. is, this is back to my point before about... What do Everton want to be? And at this moment in time, Everton just need to survive. So You're just let him let him do his me. job. Let him do his You're job. Sean Dyche, possibly if Sean Dyche keeps him up, they'll continue to play the same football. Everton fans will be like, forget about what he's done, and they'll be back to square one. <laughs> and it'll just this it's been the same cycle since I've been alive. Right. You know, they go through thinking they want to get good managers in, Ronald Koeman, Marco Silva, who play football, doesn't work quite the way, they don't want to give him time, go revert back to type, and then back to square one. I wanted to do a, a segment on Harry Kane, um, because there's obviously a lot, of, a lot of talk about him signing a new contract at the moment. And oh, The thing that strikes me with Harry Kane, right, is... I don't feel like he's universally liked, as in, for a lad of his talent, England's talisman tank, he's number nine, breaking all type of striking records, goals records, chasing down Shearer's record, long-standing record that not many thought would be broken. Yeah, I don't feel like many people warm to him, for whatever reasons, whether it's he's good at the dark arts, let's call it what it is, he's clever, he knows how to cheat, he knows how to win fouls, he's a snidey bastard. All of those things, opposition fans maybe don't like him. But there's talk now of whether he's going to renew at Tottenham. I've said for a long time, I think he's absolutely perfect for Manchester United. I, I think Manchester United should absolutely throw the kitchen sink at him and say, look, are you going to win trophies at Tottenham? No, you've got a better chance of winning tr uh, trophies at Manchester United. Come to us. Now, the question I want to ask you, Tank, is do, why do you think Harry Kane is not as well-liked as his talent would potentially dictate? Do you think I'm right on that? And second of all, do you think he needs to move in the hunt for trophies to get the stature that his talent deserves? I agree. I agree with you. He's not like... He's not... He's not universally liked, is he? Like he should be, because, I mean, he is a phenomenal goal scorer. He's a phenomenal player. But there is not like kind of that love for him, you know. Like everyone loved Rooney because Rooney was, but Rooney was kind of like a rough street and ready footballer, and, yeah, 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 like yeah. kind of like a street kid, and everyone like, oh, you know, he's unbelievable, and he's not like that. I don't think he's going to move on. I don't, and I tell you one of the reasons why I don't. And I actually said this to our Jack. I was fortunate enough to be at the Tyson Fury fight at the Tottenham Stadium, and lads, I got to tell you, like it absolutely blew me away. It blew me away. Like I, I just, I couldn't believe it. I was actually in awe at the stadium. We were walking up, and I was going, "It's like this is something from outer space." It's off the charts how good that stadium is. And um, when we got inside, like even our Jack was like, "Any player in the world who actually got taken to there and showed around, you go, I want to sign. I want to play. I want to play." Mm -hmm. And the training facilities meant to be similar. He's a local lad, and. 
I, I don't I don't really want to say it, but I don't think trophies mean that much to him. Do you think the goal scoring records the I one think for the him? Goal scoring records. And the thing is, Jamie, I've, I had this when I was a Forester. Like I was a main the main man of Forest, and I, I was scoring goals. I was creating assists, and I felt like ten feet tall every time I, I played or was around the club. And I went to Leicester City, who had. Muzzy is it, Jerry Taggart, Matt Elliott, Ian Walker, Robbie Savage, you know, just to name a few. And you were kind big, of like a good player. So I just think if he goes to a Bayern Munich, he's just he's, he's just Harry Kane. You're just Harry Kane. There's fucking 20 of you all in this squad. And I think I think he, he, he realises that and he thrives off being the main man. So I don't I think records and goals mean more to Harry Kane than what winning trophies did because I think he'd have moved a long time ago if it was about trophies. Jim, there was a famous quote, uh, quote from Klopp. I think it was around the transfer of Philip Coutinho. And he said something along the lines mm. of, you know, if you go to a Barcelona, you'll just be another player. Whereas if you stay at Liverpool, they'll build statues of you. Is this something similar with Harry Kane? I think so. I think so. I think he's I think he's too far gone. He's not young, is he? He's like, he's close to 30 29. now. 29, 30 odd. So, you know, he's not young. I think... He did want to go and win trophies. He put a transfer request in. So he certainly did want to go and do something. And he was would do that when, when the chance came at Man City and, and Daniel Levy said no. I think he's resounded to the point where he knows that Tottenham, I don't think, are ever going to let him go unless he runs down his contract and he signed. I think he's been poorly managed by his agent. His agent's his brother, isn't it, I think? Um, and I think they signed a stupidly long contract at the wrong time. And he, he was tied me after the Manchester yeah. yeah, no, no, no. He signed it before that. So he, I think he, uh, I think, I can't remember where it was around 24. He signed like a five year contract, maybe. Yeah, but he signed and, another one since then. No, I know he has since then. But my point was at the time when Man City came knocking and he wanted to go, he would have had to wait out a good three or four years of a contract to go, which was would have been around about now. So after a year that, I think he signed another contract. So I think he's been poorly managed. I think if he had a super agent, that doesn't happen. I think there's something in there that that allows him to move and he goes. And, and I think he would have been one of the greatest strikers ever if he went to a team like a City, a United in their prime. Not now, obviously, but in their prime, United. You know, like a Van Nistelrooy, he would have been one of the greatest strikers that... Um, that played in the Premier League, but now he's just a mm, Harry Kane, and it's it's you know it's it's a meh. I'm not. I hope he doesn't break Shearer's record because I like Shearer more than him. Um, Shearer only like, won one trophy in his career. Well, this is this was my next point. Is I think if Shearer, the top goal scorer, had had gone and won all the trophies, I think he would have moved as well. But because Shearer is still revered, uh, you know, revered as a player because he's broke all them records and how good he was for England, I think he's holding on to that to go, yeah, I, I can stay here and I can do, I can still be remembered as a great, regardless of whether I win a trophy or not. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh, see how that one plays out. I, uh, a couple of things, boys. So we've decided between us that we're going to do more podcasts. People seem yeah. to be pleased about that. Have you got any ideas up your sleeve, Jim, that we're going to be doing... Shorter podcasts as and when things break, or I'm sure you've got a couple of things up your sleeve. I Jim, chucked though. them all out to you, didn't I? I think we need to get one on a Monday, and I think we need to do one on the night where everyone can join us and go live and, and do it at like half eight, whether that's a Thursday or Friday or something along them lines where 
listeners can join in, get it on YouTube, get it on whatnot, and get get the questions flowing, and and then it dictates on on that. It can be it could be ten minutes because everyone answers, or it could be forty eight hours or whatever. But I think that's what we need to do. I think that I think that goes well. And then every now and again, whatever happens, you know, breaking news, we can we can blast a couple of 10, 15 minute, you know, quick quick fire ones. Sounds good to me. Uh, Tank, you got much on for the rest of the week? You said you got a busy week. Yeah, just got, now I've got a bit of running around to do. I've got to pick Millie from the airport. She's back from Amsterdam. Jack's got no game. Pick Jack up. Yeah. Do you know what, mate? I'm just a fucking taxi service, to be honest with you. <laughs> I am. The life of I'm a parent. This morning, Jack left his retainers. You'll have to go to Burnley. Oh. To take a fucking gum shield. It's all the kid footy in it, mate. Like Tank, I'm just a taxi, mate, taking him wherever he wants sure. to go. I know that feeling. Right, boys, uh, with that, we're an hour. We're getting later with these podcasts. We talk <laughs> talk all day. Uh, we could have done another hour there as well. Um, everybody that's listening, thank you, as always, for your support. Um, as we say each week, if you could do us a favour, <laughs> I think we say the same thing every time. If we could do uh, a little favour and subscribe to our YouTube channel, um, the actual numbers on the downloads of the podcast is dramatically increasing week after week. Uh, I think we've got a good few Forest fans listening, so uh, hello to all of you that are they're starting to listen. But if you could subscribe to our YouTube channel, like Jimmy said there, our plan is to start doing some live shows on YouTube. We want people to get involved and chat to us as and when we do it. Uh, so if we can get to a 1,000, or maybe we'll do it just before that, um, we'll, we'll start doing those live shows every week. So if you haven't checked out our YouTube page, Go give us a little subscribe, like the video, all that good stuff. Uh, but more importantly, I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you're all looking after yourselves. Um, we, we mentioned on social media, we've had a couple of people reach out to us that are struggling at the moment, uh, finding things tough. And they've said that listening to us three talk shite helps them in in any in some small way. So uh, like we said at the time, if anyone is struggling, DMs are always open. Make sure you reach out to us. Uh, we'll, we'll happily lend an ear. You never know with these things. Once you talk about them, they, uh, they become a lot easier and a lot easier to manage. So our DMs will always be open. So look after yourselves, keep talking, and we'll be back with you next week on the Boot Room Podcast. All the best. Cheers, lads. Cheers, boys.